You are now listening to The Junk and Jam Hour, a live talk radio broadcast, only on Radio Free Brooklyn. And now for your on-air host, Christopher Albert. Hello there, everyone. Happy Monday. You are listening to The Junk and Jam Hour right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, again, I'm your host, Christopher Albert. Uh, now, on Radio Free Brooklyn, of course, the nonprofit community organization and freeform internet radio station streaming uh, original content by New York City artists, broadcasters, DJs, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is our goal here to empower and amplify the otherwise unheard voices within our communities. Now, on the Junk and Jam Hour, it is my delightful objective <laughs> to share and highlight the artistic and creative journeys behind the impressive projects and contributions of some of today's most talented, groundbreaking uh, artists, entrepreneurs, and professionals of all kinds, all of whom do their best to bring joy to you. So I will do my best in this hour to bring joy to them. One particular artist, my special guest today, joining me via Zoom, is the epitome of an artiste a man of many talents. After earning a Bachelor of Arts in Creative Writing at the University of Kentucky, he went on to attain his Juris Doctor degree. Once that, we'll find out. All of which not just informs his work as a practicing attorney, but as a musician. But Christopher, what's a lawyer doing in music, you ask? Well, it's very easy, my friends. Being an accomplished businessman makes him that more of an impressively well-rounded and extraordinary artist. In fact, he's so well-versed in music and in music law, he has a greater insight of the ins and outs of the music industry. It's accompanying, you name it, licenses, contracts, regulations than most recording artists today or ever, really. Um, when not dominating the courtrooms, he is a consummate writer, not just having been the lyricist and guitarist, of the synth rock three-piece band Shapes on Tape, but he's also dedicated to composing pieces of his very own, of all kinds, as he best calls it, various modes of nouns and verbs. His music has been described as the embodiment of timelessness and the contemporary through simple, immediate songs with a literary bent and expansive soundscapes. No surprise there, he is a master at marrying his poetry and fiction to his work as a songwriter following his extraordinary debut ep blue velvet couch in 2018 he has worked tirelessly for the last three years on creating the ingenious collection of music 2021's lp dumb ecstatic bliss which was critically praised as masterful songcraft including the very rocking track which i love uh all the pieces fit and the charming lady cakes all of which was produced through the pain, trauma, and heartache of losing someone truly special in his life. He is now working on a new collection of music with the help of Grammy-nominated Justin Craig and Grammy winner Steve Fallone and Greg Calby. We will take a listen to and discuss the Neo retro throwback to the future Pink Son of Bisbee, his latest track that focuses on the feelings of affection, connection, and longing uh, it's so much more than that. We'll discuss it. We'll also discuss his upcoming single, Be Nice to Yourself, which directly addresses his feelings of grief and articulates the importance of taking time for oneself, particularly 
in a time of tragedy and trauma. He's won cases. He's won awards. But what he really wants is to win your hearts, guys, and hopes that you will release your inhibitions and submit to his glamour and his very glamorous music. And we're going to do that right now. Let us welcome the self-certified force of nature living the dream right here in Brooklyn, the prolific wordsmith enigmatic composer and entrepreneur folk rock singer songwriter and poet jason matu hello jason hi christopher thank you for that extraordinary introduction oh yes well thank you so much for joining us we are so very honored to have you i like how i was trying to introduce you and i was i guess subconsciously trying to meld the words folk and rock together <laughs> which probably sums you up anyway but we'll talk about that uh are you originally from do i have this right you're originally from kentucky no i'm originally from western new york state but i ah. lived in kentucky for a very long time long enough to uh meld my redneck western new york accent to yeah the, uh, southern um I, you know, sort of Kentucky fried accent. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a hybrid. It's from everywhere. Yeah, it's from everywhere. So what was childhood like for you? Uh, it was a lot of walk through the woods. Yeah. Uh, I lived, I lived uh, in the country. My nearest neighbor lived like a quarter mile away and was a dairy cow. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. I love that. It was pretty. It was pretty uh, bucolic, uh, if you will. And my brother and I used to do, my brother and I were very close. We were very close in age and, and very close in affinity for one another. And we would do things like draw maps of the climbing trees in the woods around our house. We yeah. would bury uh, He-Man figures or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Love it. Or, you know, the, whatever we, whatever action figures we could get our hands on, it, and then like draw treasure maps, which we never successfully recovered. No, <laughs> I'm sure mom and dad were very happy to buy you some more. Uh, and you know, we just uh, traipse up and down the creek, and yeah, go on bike rides. I love going on bike rides, yeah. and, and um, which is a thing I rediscovered last year. Um, but that's awesome. An, that's an, a story for a later date. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 lovely to, you know, go back and be able to say you've always been, and, and even as a child, and, and as we should, right? Should just just enjoy life and and not have so much worry. Like many of us who did grow up in the city, we had so much to worry oh. about and grow up so fast. And it's so nice to. You know, regardless, we all go through something, but it's nice to just have those memories as a child and just be like, you know, we're so carefree, just enjoying nature, enjoying and, 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 and how much value we placed on toys and, and things. It, it didn't make a difference. They were part of our adventures, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. I will say that at the time, I have the distinct feeling like that I was, uh, at least I thought I was bored. Now, I look back and I'm like, you just never stopped moving. You couldn't, you didn't have time to be bored. Right. So I, like, I want to be 
like ever since I was a kid, I wanted to live in New York City, you know. And I was just always like, why do we got to live out here? <laughs> well, obviously, Jason, um, we needed you to live out there and be raised there so that way you could come here and make New York City what it is today. Obviously, there were cows. Were you ever a horse rider? Um, I am. I'm not at all ashamed to say that I'm very much afraid of horses. Ah, <laughs> so what brought you, by the way, to the Bluegrass State? Was that school? Um, it wasn't actually. It was um, my uh, my family moved. Ah, okay. Uh, basically, like an entire exodus. Um, you know, Western New York was going through a period of economic um, depression. Yeah. Uh, and it was just the, the Cincinnati area is where I moved. And it was, um, you know, it was just uh, a lot more jobs were available. And, um, and you know, they just decided to pack up and move in order for more economic opportunities. Yeah. You know. Which, which is not such a hard decision when you have children, right? You just do what you have to do. I mean, I was absolutely... 100% opposed to the idea. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> and like my, this, like the difference between, um, you know, uh, Fredonia, New York, or, you know, Sheridan, New York, to be even more specific, and the Cincinnati suburbs, like to me, I was like, I've just stepped into the greatest metropolis in the history of yeah. the world. And I could hop on a bus and go to like, shows at the YMCA or like in basements or gyms or whatever, which was to me was like manna from heaven. I was like, oh my God, this is the life I always wanted. <laughs> so it ended up being, you know, p part of the fun, right? Um, so um, you obviously have a love affair with the craft of writing. You went on to earn your Bachelor of Arts in creative writing. Quickly, how did you, you know, obviously we're fast forwarding a little bit here. We have a lot to talk about. How did you segue from being a fervent man of words to deciding to venture in the study of law? What was that motivating factor for you? Uh, yeah, well, when I decided to go to law school, um, my motivation was never to practice law. eyes <laughs> at my own notions. Um, I, I actually went to law school because, well, you know, I had a degree in English with an emphasis in creative writing. And I was, I was trying to decide, I, I ultimately, I've always wanted to have um, like a record company or music company. Got it. I thought I went to law school yeah. that would at least gain some skill that would allow me to... Um, you know, have the business acumen yes. in order to do that. And um, so that was my motivation. And to be to be perfectly frank, it seems like it's sort of going to eventually work out that way. Yeah. Another, but I love uh, that. The, the trajectory has just been not at all like I was a workers comp uh, lawyer for a couple of years and then I moved with a band to Brooklyn um, and you know it's just been 
you know, here and there. But yeah, that was my, my decision to go to law school was entirely motivated by the notion that it would somehow help me uh, in the music business. Yes. And, and, and quite it is, it has, right? Because, okay, so now you are, I, correct me if I'm wrong, you are the founder of the law office of Jason S. Now, you say the S is silent in your last name? <laughs> oh, so, that was a joke. Oh, okay. So it's Mat- Mat- Matuskiewicz. Uh-huh. Yep, that's my full name. My uh, stage name is Matu, just to yes. make it easier for people with the, you know, looking at all those consonants confuses people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course... Vowels galore. Yes. Um, yeah, that's my law office. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a, a, it was a civil litigation practice. Now it's a uh, writing stuff for contracts practice. Yeah. You know, core. Well, you said uh, one, of, one of your goals for the company is to provide, obviously, the absolute best possible representation um, to obtain, you know, great results for your clients. Um, some of the uh, law practice uh, includes, like you said, it, it did include at least the civil litigation, personal injury, contract disputes, most significantly, at least for our discussion today. And of course, it serves one of your goals is music law. You state that as a musician, of course, with success on both, you know, the business and creative sides. Um, it's it's just been inevitable, inevitable, right, that the music uh, related matters have become part of your practice and obviously that's always been one of your goals um, you've been involved in various kinds of music matters advising clients on publishing deals drafting contracts for producers litigating contract disputes working on record deals your day to day you know you deal with any number of issues in terms of uh, you know contract management maybe copyright uh, trademarks artist representation how gratified it, gratifying is it for you? You know, you're not just an impressive musician, right? You, you know, you are able to offer valuable service, whether legal or business, uh, to other musicians, other artists, entrepreneurs, A and R's. You know. Yeah, and I recently started managing a band. Too, because, <laughs> of course. Enough, right. Um, you know, but not everybody can say they can do that, right? And and I feel like I have to be like one of the strangest people <laughs> professionally. I mean, and um, and it really works for me. And it's all folded together. None of that stuff, like, you know, oh, you're a lawyer and a musician. Like, you know, to some people that might seem strange. Yeah, but to me, it's just as natural but, as can be. Yeah, as as artists, we all understand. We're all the parts of the puzzle right what sort of things if we can ask can artists get wrong or maybe misinterpret um when inking agreements you know and whether it's record deals signing contracts you know dealing with concert venues yeah, well, there's the thing that i just um the one thing that i really advocate for particularly if you have a lot of momentum on your side uh-huh. which relates specifically to record deals uh is that you know a bird in the hand might be worth two in the bush but a 20 percent royalty to get x number of dollars to give the record company 80 percent yeah it's not like uh you know i mean it's i don't think it's a great bargain <clears throat> Um, 
And I, I, I personally think that, um, you know, getting a big advance is not worth giving up significant, significant uh, pieces on the back end. And that's the one thing that I, um, in my dealings with with artists and labels, the that's the one thing where I'm like, you know, very adamant about maybe getting a fairer deal. Um, is is what I I preach. Yeah, um, right. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to turn down money now for speculation in the future. But you know, just I, I'd just say bet on yourself. You know, no, bet no on yourself. No worth. Yes, yes, I, and I love that because you know that you know musicians don't always get helpful advice other than you know what's what's going to be immediate right what's going to fulfill their immediate needs in terms of getting their music out and and we'll help you with your marketing and obviously we'll press your records and we'll get you out right there and there just sign sign on the dot <laughs> you're amazing and we'll get you out on tour as well now it other than musicians Today, there's a lot of content creators, um, I myself being one of them, we're, we're all of the above. You know, obviously for copyright owners, the people who compose music, uh, the songwriters, obviously, um, who are to receive royalties, um, whether it's for the reproduction or distribution of those records and, and, and um, or whatever their, their composition. And you know, when we when we think about content creators, there's YouTube, there's TikTok. What should content creators avoid in terms of copyright violations? <laughs> uh, well, never, ever, ever, ever steal somebody else's material, right. aka, like you, whether it's purposeful or inadvertent, you can't use an an uncleared sample of somebody else's recording. They paid money to make that, right? And it's theirs. It doesn't belong to you. So if you use it without their permission, you are literally stealing from them. I know that sounds like a really bummery thing to say, but, um, and then when you get caught, I had one of my, all right, so let me tell you, uh, <laughs> one of my producer friends um, who uh, gave me a call and is like, you know, I'm working with, you know, XYZ songwriter, I'm not gonna name names, uh, and they want me to uh, to use this sample in this song that they're working on. Mm -hmm. um, they want me to uh, try to disguise it so that it's not oh, recognized. No. And I was like, do you really need to keep it? Like, go on with this conversation because you know what my answer is going right. to be. Right. Absolutely not under any circumstances. Right. I, I mean, you, and how would you hide it? I mean, you're using the same chords, you're using the same progressions, you're using the same what, you know? The recording. So I, I didn't know how they proposed to, to hide it exactly. That and was not your concern. Yeah, I don't know how prominent the sample was going to be. Yeah. Particular uh, composition. I don't know if like... If they literally were just like sampling some part and then like adding a beat to it or if it was like underneath it i have no idea yeah. exactly how they intended to use it because i didn't need to go that far right. into the conversation and i will also say that 
you know, the internet is doing like all the, the various platforms are doing a reasonably decent job of allowing content creators to, um, you know, for example, um, use music by other artists that are uh, available through their platform. For instance, on TikTok, you know, there are. Oh, right, know, right. You can. Songs now that you can use in conjunction. Sync is what they is the term that they yeah. use in, in the music industry, where you can sync your video content with other people's music content without having to go through a major clearing process. And then they just, whatever your um, <clears throat> distributor is, collects that money for you as the. Right, uh, right. Or the publisher does as the, as the owner of that content. Especially if it's linked to content that has millions of views, right? Mm hmm. So it's. Um, so you know it's not as not as common these days for uh, you know people to just like steal, um, but it still happens. Yeah, and yeah. It's really uncool when absolutely uncool, uncool. <laughs> I mean, listen, there's there's enough. If you're already in in the studio making music, just make music, right? There's no there's no need to rip off anything. If you love that sample that much you show your appreciation to the person who has produced it who has composed it and be like can we use this you know what's going to be that agreement you know and so you won't you won't have to worry about it now of course you are a musician you are a lyricist you're a guitarist <laughs> which we love what do you love most about the creation you know just being the being able to produce music of your own yeah it's the act of songwriting um uh by far that is really what that is the thing that m really motivates me and um i and it's hard to describe how it feels but it just lifts yeah. my whatever my burdens are yeah just the act of, of creating a song doesn't even have to be anything to do with whatever those particular burdens yeah. may have been. Right. And very likely is completely unrelated to it, but they're just, they're gone. The power of song pushes them away. Um, and I just, I can't really get enough of writing songs. Um, I mean, you're, you're a storyteller and, 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 such a gift to be able to take whatever story wh wherever that inspiration may come from and put melody to it oh yeah well often the melody comes first but <laughs> i love that my newest my newest uh sort of guiding principle because i like to have those sorts of things like sort of a guiding principle that yeah. i want to come back to in the, the process <laughs> which made my uh, the very same aforementioned producer laugh the other day was uh, I, I want to create songs with lyrics that uh, do not ad have to adhere to the notion of coherent meaning. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it follows. It, it literally beats its own drum. <laughs> yeah, and um, so I started doing that a little bit, and that's that's been super fun but so then a lot of times the melody comes first yeah and what i'll do the way that i've been you know making stuff most recently 
um, is just on an acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just come up with the um, the melody, then I'll start coming up with some of the words, uh, particularly the chorus uh, most often. And then I will, I, so during, because of uh, COVID, I bought a printer, uh, like, you know, an actual printer that yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that ancient technology. Oh, we still we still use that. <laughs> we'll recycle and it. So I started typing my lyrics out on my laptop and printing them out on the printer. Yeah. And I found that that really unlocked a level of creativity that I hadn't, for whatever reason, realized uh, was possible. So I feel like the lyrics got uh, more interesting. Uh, even though the melody was there, but I like, so I've been able to sort of, you know, instantaneously switch around uh, lyrics. Because I used to, I used to just like sing it until it was etched, like, etched in, etched in my brain. And then I would write it out longhand because I thought yeah, that was more authentic or something somehow, which is just asinine. No. <laughs> Oh my God, you have no idea when I'm writing. There's just notes everywhere, different notebooks and stuff like that. But you have to, we have the technology just to make it, put it in one place. <laughs> um, and um, so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, songwriting, that's my favorite part. The other that. stuff, I've been, I recently had the chance for the first time in a long time to play music with other people. And that was pretty special. Um, and I had completely forgotten how enjoyable that was. Yeah, when you get to so, feed off of each other and 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 bounce ideas off of one another, jam with one another. So, Jason, I am going to shut up. <laughs> I would love to play one of your songs um, that was just uh, released this year, uh, "Pink Son of Bisbee." If that's okay with you. And we're going to play that for our listeners, and then we'll chat about that once we come back. Yes? Sounds great. Thank you so very much, Jason. You hang out. You guys are listening to the Junkie Jam Hour right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. And I am joined with singer, songwriter, and poet Jason Matu. And this is Pink Son of Bisbee.
was Jason Matu with Pink Son of Bisbee. Of course, you are listening to us right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, I love that song, Jason. Thank you. So, it just has a vibe to it. It just has like a nice, mellow, smooth vibe. Your voice is fantastic, by the way. Uh, thank you. Um, I, I know sometimes for some of us, it took me a while to like and to find my own voice uh, after so many years. But it's 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 that must be such another thing to be like, oh, my God, not only, you know, can you put melody to your own songs, to your own to your life, but you can also sing it out loud. <laughs> I will tell you, let me just get, let me just tell you a little uh, backstory about that, because it wasn't always so. And, no. and in fact, for most of my life was not so because you did mention in the intro that I played in, you know, uh, well, I play in shapes on tape, but I've also before that I was in um, several bands Yeah, and I was the bass player. I also tended to be the one who wrote the songs, but I could not sing worth my supper. That's for sure. <laughs> And um, Adam, who is my, um, and this wasn't unbeknownst to me either, you know, I, I think most people want to sing. I certainly wanted to. I was just no good at it. It's just and, finding uh, space. Yeah. And, um, and uh, so, um, so I'd like, you know, write the songs and I'd like perform them. And um, I had this sort of uh, eureka moment when my bandmate Adam said to me, you know, you're always going to have a unique voice. So why don't you just sing the notes? And I was like, hmm, sing the notes. All right, that's an interesting idea. So I basically like went into the woodshed, AKA my bedroom and um, practiced nonstop for like a year, like a year and a half. Really, uh, I noticed the confidence in my own voice yes. on that this previous recording yeah. it's because I sat in my my basement apartment uh, for a year and a half with nothing else to do but write songs and practice um, so so yeah like after being a songwriter for like 15 years or whatever I developed a voice that I feel like doesn't suck yeah <laughs> yes it's so it's strange to me to think like I hated my voice for so long. But that's that's back. what your voice gave back to you, right? That feeling that you had towards it, that's what it gave back to you until you were able to unlock that appreciation and say that I have my own unique voice. Um, and obviously you had to find it because all it is, and it's it's a muscle. It's one of the many muscles we have. It's just another one, and you're really just learning how to best use it within your own space. Whether you know, you know the vibration in your mask, your your your, you know your larynx. You, you know you have your own support system. It's really amazing what 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 you can do when you just have some intent. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's really, it's it's really about finding your voice. Like yeah. The, yes. The, it's like you got to occupy your own voice, and yeah. then 
you know, make it the best version. I of love that. Are it. you still exploring what all the things your voice can do? Oh yeah. Uh huh. And I just, uh, <laughs> I just brought my, uh, my pals in the moon city masters into the fold and we did, we tried out some three part harmony. Love that. Yes. And I was just like, well, because now God. you have an, e- you already have an ear. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, it sounded really, it sounded really cool. Cool. And, um, you know, just that, that development is really one of the most pleasant surprises for me, you know, as I, that's, I I became a singer. Yes. So, so let's talk about that because you you mentioned something earlier and, and of course, a pink son of Bisbee, it's been described as a hopeful rendering of the words that you that you wanted the narrator in the song to express a romantic desire um, to visit this delicate, lovely lady, and they both meet under this gorgeous, magical pink sun of Bisbee. How did this place, Bisbee, become so special to you? And how special does someone have to be for you to want to invite them? <laughs> um, so Bisbee. Um, this view is a place, um, after I started to emerge from a period of, um, extreme grief and mourning, um, it was like, (laughs) it was right around the start of the pandemic, lucky me. Um, and so I, like, I started, um, dating a woman who had moved to Brooklyn (sighs) about three weeks before then or so. Um, I think her lease started March 1st. God, wow. <laughs> um, so, um, so she had an opportunity to go to Arizona for work, Bisbee, Bisbee Arizona. And, um, I was, you know, pretty much under the, you know, impression that that was going to be the end of our relationship. <clears throat> But we just talked on Zoom like every day. And I would play concerts for her. And I'd be like, oh, this is the thing that I'm working on. Or here, more likely, here are the seven things I'm working on. Yeah. <laughs> just juggling. Uh, but like, I, like, probably, and I, no exaggeration, probably like every day we would get on and like, you know, we'd talk and ch- we'd chat for, I don't know, hours. I'd play a little private concert for her. Uh, and then um, she was like, you should come visit. And I was like, um, you understand there's a pandemic yeah. going on. Right? And, uh, but eventually I was like, you know, I followed all the guidelines of yeah. you know, when got, got tested. Yeah. Um, you know, went to the, to the, um, the, you know, went the, went to the airport. There was, the airport was a ghost town. The uh, it was. Like, that, that, that's actually, that's what made it safe, too, at the time. <laughs> I was like, there, I, there was nothing to be scared of. There was nobody yeah. else. I literally sat in my row, and I was the only one there. I, yeah. put, up, I put my feet up, and I read my book. It was great. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't feel like one one bit like it was dangerous at all it's more dangerous for me to like walk down the street yeah um but anyway so she was in bisbee and 
um, I just uh, immediately fell in love with it. I love it. Um, so you're the, you were the special one who got invited. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So I was writing the song, and um, I was writing a song, and I and I, it was originally from me to to her. Yeah. I was like, will you come to see me? Something, something, something. Yeah. Don't know what it was. I can't remember anymore. But I was like, that's boring. Um, <laughs> so I just flipped the narrative around. Yeah. Hopefully not too presumptuous, but I'm pretty sure she wrote me a postcard that says, that said, will you come to see me uh, maybe under the pink sun of Bisbee after I'd written it. So um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I have the message received act approval. Yeah. Of narrator whose words I did write in the hopes that they were how they felt. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, the, the sun in Bisbee can be li- quite literally pink. Um, it is a beautiful place. It's, um, and, but it's also a place where, you know, it's got a little grunge to it, you know? A little grit. Uh, and people, like, are super laid back. Yeah, a little grit, but also, like, you know, this, the, maybe the dream of the 90s is alive in Bisbee. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, it was a place where I could just like, I just got along with, everybody was so nice and so chill. Yeah. So I want to ask you this because, you know, I know you flipped the, the narrative around and then we're going, I, I definitely want to talk about uh, your new music, uh, more new music um, and, and, and what inspired that but let's work backwards, right? So yeah. some of the lyrics, you deserve to be treated sweetly. You will if you come and see me. I want to unpack that just a little bit. You know, because whether it's family, friends, colleagues, intimate relationships, sometimes we're so invested. We get so comfortable, too comfortable, perhaps. Uh, we're surrounded sometimes by people, you know, who also get comfortable maybe they're taking advantage of us um our time our beauty our talents you name it that we forget that we ourselves do in fact and you understand it's because some of it was from yourself we do deserve to be treated sweetly right um how is it that some people and just in your opinion that some people can see appreciate our value while others seemingly can't and sometimes that's ourselves Mm -hmm. um i think you got to be mindful of how your actions are taken by the your significant other who whom well in all your relationships but really your significant because you tend to take for granted their presence and then you what you do you can be and by you, I mean me, uh, <laughs> can be, you know, thoughtless about like not carrying your own weight in ah. the relationship. And it's you know, work. It's work. It doesn't have to be hard work, mm-hmm. but it's work. And like, you know, I just want like I try to just take a moment because, yeah, I did. I did flip the narrative around, but that's my feeling. You know, yeah. Um, like, but I, I, the feeling is reciprocal. But you know, you just like you got to remember to treat people sweetly, particularly your significant other, and just take a moment to say like, 
have I let this person know how I feel about yes. them? Like, in in a in a way, because like for me, um, my my repeated sin in this capacity has always been like, oh, they know. I don't have to do with yeah, them. Yeah, that's the taking for granted part, right? That's the and so um, you know, I just try to make it a habit to um to to do to explicitly let people know that uh how i feel about yeah. them to, to do things for them um you it, know i uh, it's it's the idea of of you know bringing my flowers while i can still smell them as well right and while they're in your life anyway mm-hmm. yeah and um <clears throat> Yeah, and, and and in this regard, such little little gestures go such a long way. Yeah, um, as well as flying all the way across the country. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you know what? No expectations, right? You just go and have fun. Mm-hmm. So, going forward and backwards at the same time, right? Because you have this new song that's coming out this week. I haven't heard it yet. Be nice to yourself. Some of the words that pretty much have been lingering and you've been just ruminating on um for a while because you were stuck for a while and and you still probably are um grieving uh, you know with the loss of your life uh and of course we're talking about sarah uh bednarik am i pronouncing that right Bednarik. Bednarik. She passed away in 2019 at the age of 39. She was a Brooklyn artist, sculptor, welder, and woodworker. We're going to celebrate her. Who was she and what did she mean to you? Uh, She was an absolute genius. Yeah. Uh, uh, Easily the smartest person either you or I has ever met. And um, confirmed by, you know, by... uh, by the most brilliant people I yeah. know is being true. Um, she was an incredible, she was my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, in addition to being a genius artist and incredible activist and, yes. you know, big friend to um, scores of people. Um, and she uh, came, to, she uh, just had some kind of you know, developed cancer for yeah. some in, you know wild inexplicable reason, and then um, just ultimately, even though she valiantly fought it for as long as she did, she ultimately succumbed to yes. complications uh, from it and from it metastasizing. She ultimately uh, died of a respiratory infection from which which is easy to get once you have. You know, once your immune system is pretty much shot, right? Yes, yes. Compromised. Yeah, immunocompromised. Long, long before COVID. Yeah. You know, she was she was very adamant about taking the extra protections because of the compromised right um, respiratory uh, system that she had. So, um, you know, when COVID happened, I was like, oh yeah, I mean. I totally get what's going yeah. on here. So, but now, in this new record, in, in and obviously it's your way of, you know, you say you're, you're finally telling yourself to be nice, to be kind to yourself. 
what what exactly were your feelings about yourself after Sarah's passing? You know, what were the unkind things were you ascribing to yourself, whether in words or action? Um, well, man, I was, I was like completely, I felt like I was completely adrift. Yeah. Unheard from, from any kind of life that I thought I was going to have. Yeah. Um, and, um, and really not feeling like I, I just felt worthless, you know? And then, which, uh, which is a normal thing because for a lot of us who do place so much value in people over things, right? It is a big law. It re- it truly is what it says. It, it's, it's a big loss. And sometimes you can feel not sometimes you did feel absolutely worthless without this person. And then on top Lost. of it, to, to numb the pain, I was like, I I mustered at I, at one point I think I counted ninety two literal consecutive days I woke up with a hangover. Got it. Yeah, an and, escape. And um, you know, I just like that I doesn't help. <laughs> you know, like what are you going to do? Bless you. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter what you do. What yeah. is what what is doing a thing even mean? Um, and yeah, I was just like. Um, yeah, that's where I was mentally. And then of course I was not in therapy because yet, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of reasons, whatever, but, but but you did have people who loved you. You still have people who supported you. I'm assuming them were shared friends with Sarah as well, who were not gonna let you wallow right they were like no you're gonna get therapy and you're going to start healing oh i mean i had the best support i can't say enough about how good my friends were to me yeah uh, uh, how they um were there for me how they made sure i had food and company yes yeah. um and they were great and then they did start harping on therapy <laughs> after, harping. after months. Yeah. And I was like, mm, not interested. I got my own therapy here, guys. It's called beer. Yeah. Or tequila or whatever it may be. Um, but eventually, just to shut them up, I was like, all right, fine. I'll go to therapy. It's a compromise. It's not gonna work. I refuse. It's not gonna work, man. I'm telling you. (laughs) But it did. Yeah, it did. You got to express yourself. You got to um, at least figure out things as much as you can. You know, you set your own goals, obviously, for therapy. And so I guess I started. I did. I started doing a couple of things. I think around the same time. And one might seem so much more trivial than the other, but I would just disagree. And since yeah. it's my life, I <laughs> it's all um, subjective. Doing, since there was nothing else to do, I started going on a, a bike ride around Bushwick and Ridgewood mm-hmm. uh, up to the um, up to Highland Park. Love it! You just rediscovered something you used to love to do. 
oh yes uh, yeah i did and um and so i started doing that every day and i would start thinking about different things i started having, like having ideas again i didn't write any songs or i, I wrote sarah's memorial speech which yeah. is perhaps one of the greatest things i've ever written and one day i promised rusalana whoever asked me to i will put it out there um just and i actually did go back and edit it like a couple yeah. weeks ago to uh correspond to what i actually said because some of it was um changed in you know impromptu as i was saying it um but yeah anyway so i started going on a bike ride and started just thinking and met just sort of you know in a way meditating about these you know different things and and i started going to therapy and you know just talking to my therapist about um you know how i felt and um <clears throat> you know she would just she would say things like well isn't there room for you to have some kindness for yourself yes. i feel like no, that's what losers do um obviously i need to beat myself up endlessly until i'm a bloody pulp the, yeah, you know, I mean, you, you know, sometimes wallowing, and, and and of course, you know, you were drinking. It's again, it's just a momentary thing that we th that we think makes us feel better, but obviously, it wasn't sustainable. You really do have to get to a place where you are worthy, because not just that you need you, other people still need you, and other people still love you, um, but also just the amazing music you're making now and 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 how that's an honor and still telling Sarah's being able to tell Sarah's story and will, sharing yeah. that with the world uh thank you um the uh so yeah so eventually I just woke up one morning <laughs> feeling worthless again and I was just like be nice to yourself be nice, be nice to, yourself. to yourself be nice to yourself and I just said it over and over and over and over again and then I think on the bike ride that day, I was like, oh, that's a song. Yeah. And and, um, and it's been my mantra ever since. Anytime I start feeling like some kind of uh, insidious notion that I'm like not worth anything, I'm just like, yes. be nice to yourself. Yeah. Be nice to yourself. Um, but one related thing to, to the friend support that I had was um, I had my friend my friend Cedric came over um, like toward the end of February, just like right when we were on lockdown. I hadn't written anything in ages. And he was like, oh, we should hang out. And I was like, all right, cool. And he's like, we, sh we should write a song. I was like, I don't know how to write songs anymore. Yeah. Like, oh, come on, man. Just like, just pick it up. Just, yeah, just you know? pick it up. I was like, no, I don't really know. And he was like, all right, maybe this thing. And he's like, all right, cool. Well, like, like just sing something over it. I was like, no, you sing something over it. Like, <laughs> you sing something over it. Well, and then, like, I don't know, half an hour later, we had an incredibly depressing song called Tie Me to the Tracks of the Train, which, uh, while uh, not the most hopeful song ever, was one that at least uh, allowed me to start down that yeah, road again. Yeah. Well, what was uh, so happy that you were able to come out of that and obviously you're we understand you're still in the process of of grieving of figuring those things out but jason i want to thank you 
uh, personally for coming on to at least share a little bit of your your story and of course your inspiration and just being so vulnerable of sharing um, your story with Sarah and of course sharing your music with us. Be Nice to Yourself will be available everywhere to stream this week, May 28th. Yes, that's exciting. For anyone listening, you can find out more about Jason Matu at jasonmatu.com. J-A-S-O-N-M-A-T-U.com. You're obviously on Instagram, jason.matu, and you are on Facebook, Jason Matu. Just thank you so much. And of course, you know, you also have the album that you did release earlier this year, Dumb Ecstatic Bliss, which we love. And you guys can check that out right now. Um, we are we're just going to go out with, with some of your your beautiful music. I want to uh, go out with Lady Cakes, if that's okay with you, Jason. It's, my, it's probably my favorite one. So. I love it. So. I, I love it. <laughs> you guys are listening to us, of course, on Radio Free Brooklyn. You can find out everything about uh, what we do here at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com for everything I do. Junkinjam.com. This, of course, is Lady Cakes by Jason Matu. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. episode and all episodes of the Junk and Jam Hour can be streamed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeart Podcasts, Google Play Music, and simply tell Alexa, play the Junk and Jam Hour. Thank you.